Welcome to this edition of the Disciples Men podcast with your hosts, Greg Alexander and Alex Ruth. Thank you for joining us as we explore the many challenges of being man of faith in these challenging times. Disciples Men is a ministry of Disciples Home Missions of the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. Let's listen in today's conversation. Welcome to another edition of the Disciples Men's Podcast. Glad to have you with us today. I'm your Associate Director of Disciples Men, Alex Ruth. And as always, I have our Director of Disciples Men with us today, Greg Alexander. Greg, good to be with you. Hey, Alex, it's great to be with you as always and uh, looking forward to our conversation today. I am as well. Okay, so we have been spending some time over the past uh, several episodes past three episodes, this will make episode number four, uh, going over what we have uh, called or named uh, the touchstones of ministry and disciples men. Uh, These were five kind of foundational aspects of what it means to be a disciples man that we identified this Uh, spring in working with the executive committee of the General Conference of Disciples Men uh, in a meeting in Indianapolis and identified these five topics. And um, they are uh, that uh, Disciples Men are loving, serving, faithful, compassionate, and Christ-like. So we've talked about being loving, we've talked about serving, we've talked about being faithful, and today our topic is being compassionate. That's a great topic, and I thought that we would uh, do something that we should do more, haven't really done much of, uh, and that's uh, and that's start with a, ba- a passage from the Bible. I and, love it. Uh, and so, a uh, quick story uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, beginning with verse 29. As they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. There were two blind men sitting by the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd sternly ordered them to be quiet, but they shouted even more loudly, have mercy on us, Lord, son of David. Jesus stood and called them saying, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, Let our eyes be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes. Immediately they regained their sight and followed him. Mm. The thing that strikes me about this particular passage is why it's one that I wanted us to look at is is how, in this case, compassion results in sight. Mm -hmm. Yes. And not just one's ability to see through their eyes, but one's ability to perceive the reality uh, around them, that which we often are blind to. And, yes. Um, the one showing compassion usually has his or her eyes more opened. More, you know, their perception is even better than the one in whom reaching out to bring, uh, who is a recipient of their compassion. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, love that story it's it's one of many uh stories throughout all four gospels where where jesus restores sight and, and sight and and that understanding of the world around us and those around us uh it's such a huge motif uh, throughout the gospel stories um 
and obviously in some of the most beloved hymns of Christianity, you know, Amazing Grace was blind, but now we see. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I also think that what's interesting about that story is not only do the two blind men regain their sight, but it takes them being seen differently by Jesus than by the crowd as well, than the way the crowd views them, right? Right. Because right. the crowd is, is you know, oh, be quiet, get off to the side, you're not important. You know, Jesus has better things to do, but Jesus sees who they really are and comes to them and then shares that compassion, that grace um, with with the men, and, and they regain their sight miraculously. And isn't it interesting that throughout time, uh, I, and I think this is true, at least, at least through you know the, the last couple of thousand years in the uh, since Jesus, is that it's often compassion and that an exercise of compassion that actually tear, tears down walls. Yes, that actually removes our blinders. Uh, you know, to certain things. I mean, how many times have have we held a particular viewpoint towards a person or a group of people only to find that an act of compassion that that person or group of people extend to us or because of their crying out to us in a certain circumstance and one we can't deny or ignore, we extend the compassion to that person or that group of people. And all of a sudden, everything changes. All of a sudden, our world gets larger. All of a sudden, we begin to see the plight of people that we were privileged to ignore in the past. And almost without fail, these incidences come through acts of compassion because it's, it's love in action. And that's, uh, that's what it is. Yes. And the, it's love in action and and compassion also has a way of building, deepening, and broadening our relationships with one another, right? Um, it, it, when I have a sense, of, you know, that that inward feeling of compassion and it takes action in my life, it's a way of, of showing that relationship, um, not only with God, but with others, what is important to me. It, it is hard to be uh it, it is it's hard to be calloused on one hand uh or in one moment when you've just felt compassion for someone in the previous moment yeah yeah it's a, it has a way of melting down or changing yeah. everything yeah and, it really uh, does when you put it in the context for disciple men and and yeah. you know the ministry that we have embraced and working hard to you know it's it's if you follow us you know our you know that we've been on a mission to sort of uh, tear down patriarchy as a as a model for you know for what it means to be a man in the world uh you know we certainly have championed you know the role of women and people of color as as equals or betters than us in so many ways and uh, in life and the gifts uh, that that they have to share, and uh, and so again, it's 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 opening up all those doors. Those come usually through acts of compassion. We change this. We begin to live in a different script than the one we inherited, which is the patriarchal yes. uh, racial script. We begin to change those scripts and see the world differently 
when compassion comes into our life, either again as a recipient or as one extending compassion to another. And you know, uh, maybe the the better story would have been the story of the Good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, with the compassion that he had on the man beaten on the side of the road. And again, that's just that's certainly one of the most familiar passages of all of all the Bible. And not only not only was that story one that could change that changed the life of the Samaritan and the one receiving the care, but imagine what it did for the innkeeper. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and anybody, and you know, if the uh, if the religious officials who passed by stopped to look and see what was going on, they too could not have helped but uh, but been moved by that and, and begin to rethink their own position, right? Of uh, of not extending care. And again, that's such a rich and wonderful story, uh, you know, that Jesus tells. Uh, but compassion, compassion in men's ministry, I do believe is one of the keys for us to begin to both change the image that we have in the world as white men and men in general. Uh, but I, I believe it also is, is the way that we not only change, but God opens the doors within us to be that which God intended us to be all along. Yes. yes. That those, you know, those, those blind spots in us, that uh, that you know, like blinders, have narrowly moved us in one direction. Begin to get removed when acts of compassion are involved, and we begin to see the world in a broader context. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and we begin to see that there are opportunities for us to be more whole. You know, to be more Jesus-like. You know, following the way of Jesus. Uh, when these when these blinders are removed, and it, it is almost without fail that it comes through some kind of act of compassion. You know, there is some there is something going on that touches us in the very core of our being, and you know where 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 love, that kind of love resides, and we cannot help but extend that love to another when we see that need there, or open graciously accept it when the need when we are the need needy one. Right. It, it reminds me of, of two things that we've talked about before, and but I think bear repeating. And one, compassion is the um, opposite to competition. It, it is hard to be compassionate to someone and be in competition with that person as well, because they they require a different relationship with that person right uh, if you and i are in competition i i want to win um but compassion is more about you winning uh there's that and it also thinking about how we receive compassion that is maybe um one of the rites of passage um of maturing um, as a man maturing from by boyhood to manhood is the experience of compassion and then learning how to um, be compassionate towards others. Right. Right. I was trying to think, I didn't see the story. I just saw a reference to it. You may have seen the story about, uh, and I hope you did. So you can unpack <laughs> it <laughs> is the, uh, is that I think it was two baseball players and opposite teams that one of them, something happened to one of the players. I don't remember what he was hit by pitch or what it was, but the player from the opposite team went over and hugged him on the field of, uh, you know, after this whatever oh, wow. the incident was. 
And again, I'm sorry, I, I can't remember the story, but I remember the image in my mind of what a marvelous expression of compassion yeah. and, and you know, of, of, of faithfulness. I mean, just being true to Jesus, who he is in our life, who he calls us to be. What a glorious story that is. I, I saw a similar story. It was uh, tennis related, and I don't remember the players' names. There were two women. Um one was kind of a, uh, I forget what tournament they were in as well, but one was kind of uh, uh, shocking to get as far in the, in the uh, play as she did, ended up in like third. And the the more notable, well-known, anticipated, you know, stalwart player um, came over after their match and invited this this young uh, young player to share in the post-match interview, basically saying, you know, yes, we were competitors out on the feet, but they need to hear your story. Yeah. Uh, so it was lifting up our, you know, lifting up someone else. Um, not only because we see some of ourselves in them, but because they're a human being. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we've used this language before. But I think we forget what the currency of God is. The currency of the world is medals, trophies, right? You know, large bank accounts, big cars. You know, latest golf clubs. Uh, you know, uh, pick your pick your favorite status symbol. Uh, you know, that's the world's currency. That's not God's currency. Right. God's currency is measured in relationship. You yeah. know, who 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 have we loved? Who who have we helped? Who have we lifted up? Uh, who have we comforted? You know, who have we encouraged? You know, that's God's that's God's currency. And all of those in some form are expressions of compassion. Yes. Yeah. It, and they are limitless as well. You know, the, the challenge is with with our human models of, of consumption is that resources are valuable when they're rare, when they're limited. Compassion is valuable because it's unlimited. Love is valuable because yeah. it is unlimited. Unlimited. Yeah, God, you know, God's love is an artesian well from which all can drink. Right. And you know, I I never thought about that image before, Alex. But that I think you you've hit something there. Is that you know maybe maybe the reason why compassion and love is in such short supply in actuality and how it gets lived out among us today. Is because we don't see it as a as a as a rare commodity that, if especially if we're measuring value by its rareness, yeah. And so since everybody can do it, since everybody has it, maybe it's not worth much. I never thought about that, but that's uh, yeah, <laughs> that's really good. I've been having a couple of conversations recently that have uh, centered around this, uh, and they've been with other clergy, so this may be somewhat clergy centered. Um, I hope that it transcends that. Um, but we've been talking about the fact that in and amongst those challenges that we faced, capitalism is one of them. Um, and that sometimes, and I'm as guilty of this as probably as anybody, there are times when I bring a very capitalist solution to a problem that is needs a faithful solution. Right. Um, right. that understands the limitlessness of capital. Um, and it's a different way of, of going back to our story. It's a different way of seeing the world. 
It's yeah. opening our eyes to there being more than um, what our five senses can show us. Yeah. We're, we're taught to throw a materialistic response to relational needs. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, all I got to do is write a check, you know, okay. Uh, and I've, I've satisfied the need. I don't take the time to ask why that person had the need to start with. I don't ask if there's an unjust system, you know, in which the, right. in which the, that's creating the situation the person is in. I don't, I don't take the time to ask what can I do to change the system so that this does not occur again. You know, what, what, the old uh, Chinese proverb, you know, how do we help people learn to fish right. instead of just giving them a fish? And, uh, and, but the reason we just give them a fish is that we can create their dependency upon us. That puts us in control. That puts, gives us the power over. Yeah. And so, you know, that's, that's why we don't mess with changing the system is because it gives me a measure of control of one upness, you know, of elitism, uh, right. you know, what call it what you want that, uh, you know, that allows me to, to measure myself as of more value than you. Yeah. And in maybe I've, I've seen recently, uh, and maybe this is moving even farther into a compassionate lifestyle. Uh, I've seen that story of, yes, give a person to fish, then teach them to fish because it's a whole lot easier to learn when you're learning on a full belly. Yeah, yeah. You know? which is absolutely true. So. <laughs> it's like, yeah. go ahead and give them the fish. You know, uh, yeah. for, for goodness sake, if somebody is drowning, pull them out of the river. Don't teach them how to swim. Yeah. Then teach them how to swim after they're not drowning anymore. You know, right, uh, right. Uh, yeah. So and, both and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes we get um, we get caught up in those dualities. Uh, yeah. And it, it really it, the, the truth of the matter is the situation requires both. Um, you know, uh, Jesus stopped what he was doing, focused his attention on the two men in this story and gave them sight again, healed their vision. Um that is that fish giving. And there's also, but, but we hear in that story or I hear in that story, at least the, an echo of the, you know, the call of the disciples. Well, now that you can see follow. So it, it's that both and in this to our, uh, to our, to our lives. Yeah. Two, two levels of seeing. Yes. And that one, one is, you know, again, sight through the eyes and the other one is to behold what i am seeing and uh and obviously you know tells tells us that they you know follow jesus and so they beheld something yeah. new and uh, and committed their lives uh, to following him again it's not just because i think this is where we get get lost in these stories it's not just because he gave them sight right it's because of what they saw after yes. sight came and yeah. uh you know so yeah it, it is uh you know teaching them the fish and giving them a fish at this time and, and i think it, you make an important point there it's it's not just because they received something because that's a that's a transactional right you know, getting back into our our you know discussion about capitalism that's a transactional way of of interacting with the world um if you do this for me then i will do this you know, if you show me love, then I will be loving towards you. Um, but the example of Jesus throughout the Gospels is that Jesus acts with compassion, you know, acts first mm -hmm. with that compassion. And if we if we are trying to live our live our lives in the Jesus way, following Jesus, then 
we need to work uh, to to live out that example to to be compassionate to be loving not because we've been loved but because it's who we are called to be as followers of Jesus yeah and again that's that's how compassion rewrites the narrative for us right. it helps us see ourselves in a whole new light so to speak mm-hmm. and uh yeah. I want to I want to make sure since we've been throwing around uh, you know competition and capitalism and stuff I want right. to I want to make sure that you know that we people hear us correctly we do not think competition is a bad thing I mean no. if it if it weren't for competition then we wouldn't have so much of the things that we count on today because you know as people race to be the first to do or felt called to do whatever they were doing great things occurred the problem is is when competition how we compete is the only way we define ourselves. Right. And, and that's winners or losers. And if that's the way we, we define ourselves and competition has become, you know, really a sinful uh, element in our life, not, not the tool that uh, it can be to serve the common good. And that's what, that's what we're really speaking to is not allowing how one competes to be the measure of one's, self-worth or worth to to the world compassion showing compassion is also in one sense a very worthwhile commodity to excel in (laughs) exactly yes and uh, sometimes you know if you and i were competing in our level of compassion that we were showing others uh certainly the people on the receiving end would be greatly benefited yeah but if we saw that more than just light-hearted fun and use that as a way of defining our worth to the church or to whoever, then we've crossed a line into another place that, uh, you know, that we don't need to go, which of the world, so much of the world lives in. Well, and that's it, what, that's what we're speaking against is right. Is defining ourselves by competition rather than defining ourselves as something other. And, and the other is the way God wants to define us and how we, how we measure worth in the eyes of God. Another way in which I think competition, um, competition done well, uh, enhances our lives is um, it does make us better, especially when we view it as, again, a scriptural reference as iron sharpening iron. You know, if we are holding one another accountable, if we are pushing one another to excel in how compassionate we are, um, at the end of the day, I'm not going to be engaging in thoughts or tactics that tear you down because what I really want you to do is because of your success, I'm going to try harder, you know, or, or, or or I see your success and I am then inspired to work more diligently at X, Y, or Z to become, uh, you know, more compassionate, um, a better pastor, whatever, we're, you know, uh, whatever we're, we're talking about in, in those, in those times in, in our specific relationships, um, to, to be inspired to do more, um, and be better rather than tearing someone else down yeah. in the process. And where do we see that today? Where's the worst, the, the downside of that is think about, you know, that I can't tell you how many churches I've been in where, you know, the first thing is, is how do we be as good or better than XYZ uh, church down the road? Yeah. 
you know, do we need a new gym? What what do we need so that we can outcompete those people for members? And, you know, as a pastor and, and as you know, and when I was a regional staff person hearing those conversations, I just have to roll my eyes and just like, do you hear yourself? <laughs> do you hear what you're saying? Right. You can't, you can't be that church better than that church can be them. That's not who you are. You, exactly. know, you have to be the you God created you to be both individually yeah. and as a community of faith. Yeah. Focus there first and figure out who that is, who God is calling you to be. And then do it the best that you can. And my sense is, is that you will find that you're not competing with anyone. Exactly. What you're doing is fulfilling, fulfilling the role you were uniquely called to fulfill. Amen. And, you know, let that be enough. That's, that's, that's what you're called to do. The minute you enter the competition game, you lose. Right. You've all, you're already defeated. Yeah. I don't understand why that is such a hard concept concept <laughs> for people to get. And I, you know, when you and I were talking earlier before we started the podcast that, you know, my little church that I serve yes. when I first started three years ago, you know, again, I'm one, I'm old and I'm one of the younger members. This is just a handful of people, uh, you know, they're beautiful, beautiful saints of the church. Uh, but, you know, their concern was we're old. We need to get all these young people in here or we won't be around anymore. And that denominated the narrative of the church. And I finally just said, folks, you know, that's the wrong place to put your energies. Right. What happens tomorrow is God's business. All we can control is what we do today. So why don't we do what we can do today with joy, you know, with love in our hearts, be the best we can be today and let God take care of what it's going to look like tomorrow. And, you know, that's yeah. that's how you how you, you know, truly uh, manifest faith. And for this congregation and and from thank God for many that I've been privileged to know is yes. how that gets manifested is in compassion is acts of compassion towards the people beyond the walls, within, but also beyond the walls of the church, the various ministries, you know, that the church takes on. And, and, uh, uh, and, you know, again, once, once we forget about what the church down the street is doing, unless it's uh, an opportunity to combine resources and do more, right. That's always something yes. to explore. But if it's in competition with that church as to who can do it better, you know, that's, that's a really pathetic look for the church. Yeah. It, it, it's not a good look. And, and, and you hit on something that I'm fortunate enough to have yourself and, and several other people in my life to remind me, I'm not trying to be anyone else. I'm not trying to be, uh, I, I'm not trying to be you. I'm not trying to be people that I'm following in ministry. I'm not trying to be, anybody else on any other regional staff anywhere. I'm trying to be the best me trying to be who God is calling me to be in this place. And in this time. Um, and as I can, so one, I'm blessed to have people reminding me of that. And two, as I lean into that and really learn to believe it and make it the uh, overarching narrative in my life, what I find is the blessings and the sight and the vision and the understanding that comes along with it. Yeah. Yeah. Is truly I, transformative, life-giving. It it it's miraculous. Yeah. I I'm sure we've used this metaphor before. It's one of my favorite. It comes from a book written by Henry Nowen called With Open Hands, uh, which is the marvelous book on prayer. Uh been around quite a while now, but uh yeah. you know the image that I love from that is that if we if we are 
out to out compete everybody else in the world, we're going through life with closed fists. Yes. Because we assume we have everything we need to achieve and that anybody who wants to put anything else, anything else, anyone else who approaches our, my closed fist are approaching only to take something out of it. And so we keep it, you know, white knuckle grip to make sure that that doesn't happen. The problem with that is, is when it's close to preserve and protect what's in the fist, it cannot have anything else added to it. Right. And so, you know, that's why Jesus keeps calling us to be open-handed, open-hearted, open-minded people. Because once you're closed, nothing else can come in. You've right. already sealed the deal. You're done. And yep. and so, uh, so being able to, uh, you know, approach life, uh, you know, with this no sense of competition, because then competition shuts you down. I mean, that, that closes you off to everybody okay. else around you. And uh, but when you when you embrace a, a compassionate life, you know, where you see the, try to see the places where you can make people better, and you do that by just being the best you God created you to be, and and delight in that, uh, you become a very open person you become open-handed open-minded open-hearted and um and that's when our greatest value and worth to god is on full display now god's got a canvas god can paint on and uh and do some marvelous things with and that's why that's why compassion i'm I'm very grateful to the executive committee of the general conference of disciples men i want i want to be real clear these five touchstones came from them Yes. Not you and me. Nope. And yep. they're marvelous touchstones. And it reflects, it is a witness to who these men are. Yes. And, and none of them would say they're finished or that they're fully, fully, uh, full-blown practitioners of all five of these elements. But they're open enough to know that they still got more room to grow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's all we can ask. And it's just a marvelous piece. It's why we wanted to devote time to these touchstones in our way, and I'm sure if we had the executive committee in these conversations that we would be hearing stuff that just would make us pale in comparison to what right. these guys see and what they want to do with these. And it's a good note because uh, as as I think about that group um, that met in Indianapolis, I see these attributes, you know, uh, it, it lived out and embodied in tangible and awe-inspiring and inspiring uh, ways in their lives. You know, I, I these are compassionate men. They are loving men. They are faithful men. Yeah. Um, they are men who strive to be more Christ-like each and every day, um, knowing, yet, as you said, that they have not reached, uh, they have not yet attained, but they strive daily for that. Yeah. And, and these are men who don't need us. No. I mean, let's be real clear. This this group of men are people who are part of this because they choose and yeah. want to be, not because they have to be. Yeah. I mean, these men are all people who have accomplished wonderful things in their lives, right. and uh, and still see, and still see, and are accomplishing wonderful things in their life, and still yeah. see this as you know as a valuable journey to be on with us. And I think you would admit that it's not the people who agree with us that we've learned the much the most from, right? Where we've been, the greatest blessing are those individuals in this group who are not quite where we are or other people in the group are with their understanding of, of how faith must be lived out. And to see how collectively we wrestle 
with yes. making sure everybody's included, everybody's on board, not changing minds. Again, not saying everybody's got to believe the same thing. Right. But recognizing that it is the gift is that we're all making it together, even in the differences that we hold uh, is again, that's I think that's just that's, you know, that's a, a kingdom of God thing. Yes. In, yes. in, in, in action. And uh, um, I, I find I find the greatest challenge comes when I have to find room in my heart for someone who doesn't see the world the way I do. And, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know. I don't want that to sound like a task or a chore. It's not. It's it's a gift. You know, I'm I'm the one impoverished when right. I when I resist that opportunity. Right. And um, and so yeah, it's been it's been a wonderful journey, and I I just don't ever want us to lose sight of the of the way this group of men are making us better at what we do mm-hmm. because of how hard they're working to be better at who they are in their relationship with God. And as a collective group, as uh, you know, in disciple men's ministry through the general conference, um, this, this is their work that you and I are right. building on. Yeah. And, and we are, I share that we are so privileged to be able to be a part of it. Um, and to get, you know, you and I get the, the privilege of, of hearing and sharing in some really amazing stories. Um, we hear those at men's retreats. We hear those at, at other events and engagements and uh, tables we get invited to um, when we're talking with other justice ministries within the denomination or the other ministries of Disciples Home Missions um, it, it, or other general units, or et cetera, et cetera, the list goes on. We, we've been invited to hear and share in so many amazing stories. Um, and, um, incredibly, incredibly blessed to be able to be a part of, of this group at this time, because, because I think we are really, um, living into, uh, and living out of these, these core values, uh, as, as a collective group. Right. Yeah. These, these weren't words that they felt we needed to add these are words that describe who they are yeah and and who they more fully want to become and so they're they're authentic they're genuine yep. uh, you know uh, they they are consistent with who we understand our as understand ourselves to be as followers of the way of Jesus Christ and uh oh. you know that's you use the word privilege it is the privilege yeah. uh you know to be able to do this um and I want to make sure we also make clear that in our minds, and I think really in the minds of the world, if you really are honest about it, compassion, showing compassion is not a weakness. Nope. It's one of the greatest strengths one can, one can manifest and uh, is because you're giving a part of you to another, you know, there's sacrifice involved with compassion. Yes. Uh, there's, uh, you know, love, obviously uh, there's um, being able to, to be in connection with the suffering of another or the need of another. I mean, it takes great personal strength to be able to be a compassionate individual. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think we lose sight of that. You know, the world has tended not to value that, which is the world's loss. Cause look at the world we live in today, right? You know, the chaos, the chaos we, we live in and uh, you know, uh, compassion compassion is one of the tools that builds the fabric of life the human relational interconnected life 
and um, it's competition in its worst sense that tears it down. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, we've been able to to witness and be recipients of that. Um, and, you know, much like the, the Hebrew people in, in the First Testament were blessed to be a blessing, um, we have been shown compassion in order that we might be compassionate. Yeah, um, yeah. And live into that. Yeah, yeah I actually just preached a sermon series on this. But, uh, but you know what, what it finally dawned on me is that, you know, because of, because of who God is, I mean, God, you can't touch God, you can't see God, you can't smell God, you can't hug God, essentially all that stuff, because God is God. When God talks about loving others, how does, how does God love? And, and I think the story with Abraham, uh, Abram, when he came and when God came and, and called Abram, uh, you know, to be the blessing to the world, uh, and to be the, you know, the, the sort of the, you know, the, um, patriarch of this great nation to be formed. Essentially, God was saying, I love through blessing. My yeah. love is extended to how I, God, bless the world. And I choose Abram to bless the world through you and Sarah and your offspring. Yeah. And we are still, we are still trying to figure out how one manifests God's love through blessing in the world and compassion, compassion is one of the greatest ways we show blessing God's love in the world. Absolutely. Uh, Definitely. Definitely. Thank you again for your, for your time, Greg. Um, Today, great conversation about uh, compassion and how it it lives out here in men's ministries. Thank you, Alex. I want to put one commercial in before we go away. And that is uh, you and I have uh, rolled up our sleeves and we're working very hard over the last months Yep. to uh, to re-edit and uh, not rewrite, but re-edit and some major edits to the Jesus Way curriculum, the Jesus Way Journey curriculum that we introduced in 2020. And uh, as of this week, it's ready to go. The revised Jesus Way curriculum, and it is, we think, really much improved. We yes. really think it's, uh, it's a marvelous resource for the church. It's ready to go. And um, you can find information on how to get the, get the new version on uh, JesusWayMen.net, our website, or in the Office of Disciples Men uh, uh, through Disciples on Missions, so you can find a way to get that. But uh, either, of, either of us are glad to always respond to any questions or needs that arise with that. But we do hope, we do hope that uh, our listeners, if you haven't already, will give uh, will give uh, this new the new revised edition of the Jesus Way a good look, and yes. uh, see if it's right for you and your congregation. Yep, thank you for that reminder. Um, so that is available, like Greg said, through JesusWayMen.net or through the Disciples Home Missions uh, website uh, through the Disciples Men um, tab under under that main page. So if you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out to either Greg or myself or to uh, Kelly, our uh, ministry associate uh, at DHM. And we will be um, happy to answer any of those questions as we, um, as we walk through this journey of men's ministry together. Greg, thanks again for another great conversation. And we'll talk to the rest of you soon on another edition of the Disciples Men podcast. 
Our special thanks to our good friend, the Reverend Dr. Dean Phelps, for providing the special music of this podcast. You can discover more of Dean's music at deanphelpsmusic.com. And you can learn more about the ministry of Disciples Men on Facebook and through discipleshomemissions.org.